Greetings, brethren. Welcome to day five of the Feast of Tabernacles 2022. Now we have been going through the history of Israel, which is very important for us to understand so that we can see how human nature acts and what they do and the problems that take place and also the difficulties with the king. Now we saw what happened with David after God promised him that his son would build the temple. He got carried away with himself and he had the affair with Bathsheba and killed Uriah the Hittite, her husband, by having him up in the front line of the battle. Well, it took quite a while for David and Israel to overcome that, because it also affected all of Israel. And remember this, whatever the king did, the people also did. And so it creates this cycle of with God, sinning, without God, repentance, God has mercy and brings them back. And they come back to God for a while. And as long as the king or the judge, or the prophet stayed with God, the people pretty much followed God, but not in a way that we do today for eternal life. Now let's see what happened with David just before he died and in giving the instructions to Solomon, his son. Because God gave to David all the plans of the temple and how to break down the courses of the priest and the courses of the, of the soldiers to guard the temple area. And all of that God gave to David. But David was told by God, because he was a bloody man, he could not build it. So it was left to Solomon. So let's come to First Chronicles 28, and let's see a very important key chapter in the book of Second Chronicles. Let's begin right here in verse 1. And here's what David did. When it was time for him to go, time for him to die, and leave everything to Solomon. He made all the preparations. He had all the gold, all the silver, a lot of iron, a lot of cedar, a lot of things ready to go for the building of the house of Solomon and the temple. And when Solomon started, from the time he started till he finished, was 20 years. So here was a grand propitious meeting and also a charge to Solomon. Now, isn't it interesting how that people, when they get a charge like we will see with Solomon, we're going to ask the question, do they really keep it the rest of their lives? Okay. Now, we can apply that to us. We have a solemn charge from Jesus Christ to remain faithful, to love God the Father and Jesus Christ and serve them in all circumstances, correct? Yes. Okay. Do we follow through with it? Well, a good number do. But then some don't. 
Nevertheless, we all need discharge and we all need to remind ourselves, and this is why at the Feast of Tabernacles, it is good to go over these things to learn what God wants us to learn. Because, see, when we enter the kingdom of God, we're going to be the leaders and the rulers and the kings and the priests and the administrators of the government of God, that being the kingdom of God. All right? Now let's come to First Chronicles 28. And David gathered to Jerusalem all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, commanders of the divisions that ministered to the king by division, and commanders over thousand, commanders over hundreds, and stewards over all the property and livestock of the king and of his sons and with the officers and the mighty ones and all the valiant men, all the important people, all of the ones who were going to make the kingdom work for Solomon. Okay. Verse 2. And David the king stood up on his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations for the building. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. Yes, a lot of blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my fathers to be king over Israel forever. And he has chosen Judah to be the ruler and the house of Judah, and the house of my father. And among the sons of my father's house, he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. Quite a summary of a lot of things that we have read, right? Yes. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now Solomon was the second son of Bathsheba. The first son died because of the sin. So when this took place and Solomon started out as young, probably 16 years old, this means that the affair with Bathsheba because David died at 70 years. So we take 16 and it goes back to age 54 when that occurred. And from that time, the next 16 years were really awful for all of the tribes of Israel because of what David did. See? The lesson is always this. Whenever the king or the leader or the apostle or the pastor go wrong, then the people become disillusioned and go sin because they cannot tolerate the hypocrisy of their leader but instead of drawing closer to God, they end up carrying their own hypocrisy and go out and do things and, as we will see, leave God. So this is why, for the millennium, God has got to have the spirit sons and daughters who then will do the ruling and reigning and teaching. All right? Now, here's the charge to Solomon, okay? 
And notice what he said and how he said it. And I imagine he was pretty passionate when he did because he remembered his affair with Bathsheba and what that did to all Israel. Now, let's pick it up here in verse 6. And he said to me, Solomon, your son, shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish his kingdom forever. Now then, here comes the greatest little word in the whole Bible, and there's 1,745 ifs. And all of the ifs always apply to people. Not to God, because God is perfect. But human beings are not. So there always have to be the word if. So let's see what he told Solomon. If he continues resolute in keeping my commandments and my ordinances as it is today. So everything was on an even keel at this time. And Solomon was young. He hadn't done anything evil. And now he's being selected to be king. So David continued to say, Now in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God. Huh. Quite a charge. Look at what we have to do. We have to keep and we have to seek. Okay to do all the commandments of the Lord your God so that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. Okay? Now that's why when we enter the kingdom of God, this is what we're going to help teach the brethren. The same thing. And it's going to be magnificent. Now, David starts talking to Solomon. So here's what he told Solomon. Now imagine this great gathering of all of these people, all dressed up in their best king, all dressed up in his best with his crown on his head, and his close advisors are right there, and the priest is right there, and Nathan the prophet is right there, and Solomon is right there. Then he looks at Solomon and he tells him, And you, Solomon, my son, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with a perfect heart. Now, a perfect heart is awfully difficult to maintain. Okay? And that takes prayer, that takes study, that takes work, see? Because being perfected is a process. And over a period of time, there are opportunities to increase that, and there are opportunities to decrease it. There are opportunities to really do really good things, high spiritual things, and there's an opportunity to sin and get yourself in trouble. All of that contained in if. Okay? Perfect heart. And with a willing mind. This is what we're going to teach all the people during the millennium. A perfect heart and a willing mind. And remember where we started, God is going to give them a heart of flesh. They will not have the deep carnality that we have today. So it will be more possible for them to do it, yet there will still be sin. 
Okay? So we'll cover that tomorrow. Okay? A willing mind. For the Lord searches all the hearts. Now, isn't that interesting? All the hearts. See, the thing is, God knows all the secrets. You can't have a secret that God doesn't know. And when we go before Christ to give an account for everything we have done, unless we're in a constant repentant attitude and yielded to God and having our sins forgiven, all of those things are going to be marks against us, okay? For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. And what was the lesson that Job learned? All the way through 42 chapters, and you talk about sticking by your self-righteousness. See, everything he did was what God wanted him to do. But he was taking credit for himself that he was righteous instead of saying, thank you, God, for giving all of these wonderful things and helping me to do them because they all come from you. No. As we saw, he even thought that his righteousness was as good as or more than God's. But when he finally came to repentance, Job 42, what was his expression of repentance? He said, now I know that no thought can be withheld from you. See? And there was a time, we know, in the Church of God, worldwide, Pasadena, that there were a lot of people there and a lot of ministers there whose hearts were not perfect with God. And look what happened. Those who wanted to serve God had to leave to do so. And they were labeled as rebellion and renegades. Now, some of them were. That's true. But some were not. So the question is today, how many of them are still faithful? And with this kind of attitude and giving God credit for everything. Now, notice what he says here continuing. If you seek him, another if. Now, how do you seek God? Prayer and study and in your thoughts. And asking God to help you and guide you so forth. Okay? If you seek him. Now, notice we're going to see that there are a total of three ifs. And all of those conditions depend on what we choose and with Solomon, with what he chose. All right, continuing. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if, here's the warning. You always have to have the warning because human nature with free moral agency can be led away of itself to go its own way and to be rebellious and to sin against God. That's the nature of human nature. So we need God. We need his laws. We need his commandments. We need his spirit so that we can overcome the natural nature of what we think in our hearts and in our minds. Okay? But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Okay? That's what we need to do. This is the same command that was given to Joshua when he was to take the children of Israel into the promised land. It is be strong 
and do it. Okay? Let's go back and look at that. Joshua, the first chapter. Okay? Because this is important. Since we're going to be kings and priests in the millennium, we've got to be strong. We've got to be dedicated. We have got to be yielded to God in everything that we do. Okay? Now here, Joshua, the first chapter, okay? And so here's what God told Joshua after the death of Moses. Okay? Verse 1. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, My servant Moses is dead. All right? Now, as you know, I'm all eight, 88 years old. Now, I'm in good health, and I take care of myself, but I don't know how long I'm going to live. Okay? So there's going to come a time when I won't be here. And so when that happens, what will all the elders and all the brethren do? That's the question for the future. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people by uh, to the land, which I give to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given that unto you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon... Even to the great river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your border. No man shall be able to stand before you or that is against him to fight. All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, I will be with you and I will not fail you nor forsake you. Now we find that same thing to us back in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, that Jesus said he will not, no, he will never, he will not forsake us in any way. See, because the big if belongs to our choices. God it all has already made his. So just like with Solomon, if he didn't go God's way, then God wouldn't be with him. So it's the same thing with all of us in the church, the exact same lesson. And this is the whole point of going through all of the history of the children of Israel so we really grasp and understand how things happen, what we need to do, how we need to grow and overcome, and how we need to prepare for the resurrection so we can be the perfected sons and daughters of God to rule in the kingdom of God. That's the whole point of it all. Okay. So he says, verse 6, Be strong and have a good courage. Now you remember that when you have difficult times. Okay. Be strong by going to God in prayer. Okay? Be of good courage and know that God will hear and answer and help you. See? That's what it's all about. The whole Bible, if you could put it that way, right? Be strong and of good courage for I shall divide for an inheritance to this people the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous so that you may observe to do according to all. Remember all? That means each and every one. The law which my servant Moses commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand, nor to the left, so that you may prosper wherever you go. 
And listen to the next verse. Now think about that relationship to the whole Bible that we have today. Okay? How is it to be with us? Okay? The same way that he says that the law was to be with Joshua. Notice. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and good courage three times. Do not be afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you in all the places where you go. Okay. Notice how similar that is to the charge that David is giving to Solomon. See? And remember this. We'll see this as we go on. Don't look to the circumstances and the blessings of God that everything is right and good because God has blessed you, and then you start slacking off and start walking away from God. Now that can happen. We've seen it. What are we going to do? We're alive and we're here and we're listening and we're learning. What are we going to do? How are we going to live our lives? How are we going to grow and overcome and prepare for the greatest work that there ever will be for those who are in the first resurrection since the creation of the world? Do you understand how great the calling is and how important everything is that we do? Yes, indeed. Okay. So then, David gave to his son Solomon the plan for the porch and for the houses and of its treasuries and of its upper rooms and all the innermost rooms and the place of the mercy seat, the plans of all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the rooms all around treasured treasuries of the house of God and treasuries of the holy things. And for the courses of the priests and the Levites and all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, for all the vessels of the service, even gold by weight of things of gold, for all instruments of every kind of service, Silver for all the vessels of silver by, by weight, and all vessels of every kind of service. So God gave him all of that. I'll let you read all the rest of it, okay? So here's what David said to Solomon. Verse 19. All this said David was in writing from the hand of the Lord. And he made me to understand all the details of these plans. Okay? Here's all the scrolls of that. Everything out there. Whew. What a thing that must have been. And all the great important people standing there watching it. Okay? He made me understand all the details of these plans. And David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and have good courage and do it. Now, that's what God wants us to do. With everything that he's given us to do. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God, even my God, will be with you, and he will not fail you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work 
for the service of the house of the Lord. Now that's quite a thing. Okay. So then, David died, and Solomon took over. Okay. So we read Second Chronicles chapter one, verse one. And then we'll take a break. And Solomon the son of David was made strong in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Okay. So then everything was prepared. All right. Then the next chapters come along here, second second chronicles. He built his own house. He built the temple. Okay? Okay, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll be back and let's see how Solomon did. Okay? And all of these are great lessons in human nature to help us now in our own personal growth and overcoming and to help us to learn how to serve the people in the millennium. So let's take a break. Now let's continue on with day five of the Feast of Tabernacles 2022. Now then we see that Solomon built the temple and the dedication was tremendous. And all of this was for what? A dwelling place for God. Look at how often God said he would dwell with his people. But then his people, beginning with Adam and Eve, decided that they could do it themselves, that they didn't need God. Well, we have the same thing with the society today as it has been through all the history of human beings. And that's why we'll just project forward there is the second resurrection. Okay? So let's see what happened in dedicating the temple. Okay? So let's pick it up here. Second Chronicles 5 and verse 5. And they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels which were in the tabernacle the priests and the Levites brought these up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were gathered to him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be counted or numbered for multitude. And the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place to the holy of holies in the house into the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim, because there were cherubims carved right into the wood and overlaid with gold in the holy of holies. Now, verse six, verse 9, rather. And the staves that were used to carry the Ark of the Covenant were so long that the end of the staves of the Ark were seen from the holy place looking toward the holy of holies, but they were not seen outside. And they are there to this day. That is the day that this was written. We don't know who wrote this. Doesn't tell us. Whatever prophet, whoever wrote it, God inspired it. And nothing was in the ark except the two tablets which Moses put in it in Horeb, or at Horeb. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. 
And it came to pass. Now notice how tremendous this was because God was pleased that they made this. God was pleased with their attitude. God was pleased with their sacrifices. And they were all happy and joyous because now the ark had been placed into the Holy of Holies. And they had a, a great, wonderful, musical tribute of trumpets and singers to get this dedicated into the house of God. Okay? Verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests were gone out of the holy place where all the priests present were sanctified and did not wait by courses. And the Levitical singers and all them of Asaph, of Heman, of Juduthan, with their sons, their brethren, being clothed in white linen and having cymbals with harps and lyres, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with silver trumpets. Tremendous thing, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were all at one, right at the height of the climax of all of the singing and all of the trumpets sounding, okay, to make one sound in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the silver trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. That the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, just like it was when the tabernacle was set up. Wonderful thing. Okay. So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Now think about how everyone felt who were there and watched this and heard this. Huh. A one-time event in all history. Think of that. Just like with what we're going to be in on with doing the things that God wants us to do. A one-time in history. A one-time in history of the first resurrection. A one-time in history of the marriage of the Lamb and the church. A one-time in history of God coming back to the earth with all the saints and putting down the last wars. That's something. So, brethren, we are in the category of those people who will be there for that one-time event. But the same thing applies to us if we will do according to what God wants. Okay? Now then, Solomon made a very long prayer, and God was pleased with the prayer. Okay? Let's come to chapter 7, verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house, and he prospered exceedingly in all that came into Solomon's heart to accomplish in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Now then, something special happened. God appeared to him, a second time. Okay? Now God was there wanting and hoping and blessing and inspiring that things would go real well. And they did. But the question then becomes, how long did it last? And did everyone forget what God asked them to do. Okay? 
to seek God, to always keep his commandments, and to always look to him for all things. But we will see they didn't do it. Okay? Now, verse 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, this great long prayer in all of chapter 6. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Okay? Now then God gives some more ifs because he knows that they are going to slip from being faithful. So he says, If I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a plague upon my people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now then, that's something. Think about it. Think about today. What's happening to the nations of Israel? And how God is dealing with us and correcting us in so many different things. Will we turn to God as a nation in whatever way that they understand God, that will be good enough for God to hear. But what about us in the church? Are we going to pray to God for his will to be done? For us to grow and change and overcome? What are we going to do, see? Same thing. Okay. So he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal the land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears shall be attentive to the prayer offered in this place. And now we know this place is wherever you are. And God is there attentive to hear, to answer, to intervene, to heal, to strengthen, all of those things. Verse 16, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house so that my name may be there forever. And that's where it's going to be when Christ returns, Zechariah 14, right? And we're coming with him at that time, correct? Yes. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And you, now he's talking to Solomon. Okay. Notice what he says. If you will walk before me as David your father walked and will do according to all that I have commanded you, and shall observe my statutes and my ordinances, then I will make the throne of your kingdom sure, as I covenanted with David your father, saying, There shall never fail you a man to be a ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, now think about that with the Protestants. How can they possibly think they represent God and Christ? See? When they say, you don't have to keep the law. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and commandments which I set before you, and if you shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Okay, quite a statement. Then I will pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them and this house which I have sanctified for my name 
I will cast out of my sight. Did God do that? Yes, he did, twice. And I will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is exalted shall be an astonishment to everyone who passes by it, so that they shall be appalled and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And what did Jesus say it would be? You see this, these buildings? There shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And so blinded are the Jews that they do not even know the correct place where to build the third temple. Huh? Think on that. That's quite a thing. And it shall be answered. See? But you know, they don't like this. They don't like this answer. They don't like anyone standing up and saying, you have forsaken the commandments of God. You have left God. You have turned your back on God. You are following other gods and doing other things and doing your own pleasure and thinking that you're right with God, but you're not. Hey, that's where we are today as a nation. You look at it. Look at all the things that are happening to us. Look at the difficulties that are here and the things that are difficulties even worse that are coming. And will people turn to God? Oh, the Protestants are out there trying to get them back to their little sing-song ways that they have had, but that's not turning to God. They've got to rend their hearts and not their garments. Okay. And it shall be answered because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold upon other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this evil upon them. Now, after all that Solomon had, and all the warnings that he had. Let's come back here to 1 Kings 11. Okay. And in building the temple and praying and offering sacrifices. And God doing so many things for him. Okay. So let's come to 1 Kings 11. Let's see. What Solomon did. And I've often wondered. So I'll have to ring my bell. How much Bathsheba influenced him toward these things. We don't find anywhere that Bathsheba came to him and said, Solomon, straighten up your ways. Huh. No. Okay. Let's come back to chapter 10, verse 23. And here's where Solomon ascended. Okay. Verse 23, 1 Kings 10. And King Solomon was greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Isn't it amazing? You'd think wisdom would give you understanding that you need to always do right. But it doesn't do it. Because human nature in the free moral agency says, you're okay. Go ahead and do what you want. 
Verse 24, And all the earth sought Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And every man brought his presents, vessels of silver, vessels of gold and clothing and armor and spice, horses and mules at a rate year by year. Taxing. Caking. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen who were stationed in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem, scattered all through Israel. Okay. And the king made silver like to be like stones in Jerusalem, and he made cedars like the sycamore trees of the valley for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, out of Ku, and the king's merchants received yarn from Ku at a price. And a chariot was imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. So all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Assyria they exported them through their hands. So all of this was coming in. And Solomon got taken aback by all of this wealth and all of the wisdom that he had. And so if you want, you can go online and download the sermon I did about, what, four years ago, the Solomon Syndrome what happened to him? Well, we're summarizing it here. See? Now, chapter 11. Remember the instructions in Deuteronomy 17? You shall not multiply horses to yourself, and you shall not multiply women to yourself. Okay. So what did Solomon do? He broke that commandment of God. Just because you're king, just because you're wise, just because you have all of the wealth and all of these things and everyone worshiping and serving you instead of God. So remember the lesson of this. Don't Ever let physical things defer you from your spiritual relationship with God. Because God can take those away in a flash. Okay? Now, chapter 11, verse 1, And King Solomon loved many foreign women, even the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, and they shall not go into you. Why? Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But Solomon clung to these in love. Huh. Amazing thing. Okay. And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. That is from God. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after their gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And then go do what Solomon did. Okay? Think of this. How far can misled free moral agency go and self-justify it, that evil is good. 
that going against the commandments of God is fine because I'm smart, because I'm rich, because God has blessed me. Surely he will overlook all of this, won't he? The answer is no. Let's read it. Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians. How about that? Today, that's Virgin Mary worship. The goddess of the Sidonians. And after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully go after the Lord like his father David. Okay. Now, all of his wives kept after him until he built incense places and small little temples for their gods. They probably said, well, we can't go to to your temple and worship our God. But Solomon, you built a nice house for your God. Couldn't you build a nice house for my God? I'm your wife. Huh? Don't you think that would be nice? You could make it beautiful. So let's see what happened. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not go fully after the Lord like David his father. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill which is before Jerusalem, just across from the temple. And Molach, the abomination of the children of Ammon. So they had child sacrifice to Moloch. Huh. Now you need to read the book of Jeremiah see what happened to the children of Israel because they did that. And likewise he did for all his foreign wives and burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now stop and think today with what has happened to the churches of God. There are a good number of churches fairly large, mostly small, some very small and isolated, that they're trying their best to serve God. Now, some of them are doing okay. Some of them are not. They're getting carried away with false doctrine. Because the thing is this, and always remember this, You have to be faithful yourself to God. Always, regardless of what anybody else is doing. See? God does not look down and excuse evil for the sake of a few who stay with it to try and help them change. The instruction in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul for those who don't teach the true doctrines of Jesus Christ is separate yourself from them. See? But notice, the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, and he did not keep that which the Lord commanded. And the Lord said to Solomon, 
since this has been done by you, and since you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant, but I will not do it in your day or David, your father's sake. But I will tear it out of the hand of your son. And he did that. Took it away out of the hand of his son, Rehoboam, and gave it to Jeroboam, one of his generals, who was an Ephraimite. Ah, okay. So then you will read what God does, and you will see that's what God is doing today to all the modern nations of Israel. Here was Solomon. He raised up Hadad the Syrian and his son. Hadad died, went to Egypt, he grew up, and then God sent him to Israel to do what we call terrorist raids. Have we had those? Think about it. Why do they come? Why do these things happen that way? As a warning from God for the people. Will you turn to God? Will you repent? Will you forsake your sins? What are you going to do with your life? I've given you everything. And here in America, I've given you everything from sea to signing sea. The most productive land in the world. A beautiful land full of every good thing, and I blessed you with crops and with trees and with cattle and everything that there is. And I have seen you through your difficulties in your civil war and World War One and World War Two and the Vietnam War and the Korean War and the wars in Iraq, and now here we are. And what are you doing? What are the people doing? They're turning away from God instead of turning to God. All right, now let's see what Jeroboam did. 1 Kings 12, verse 25. And Jeroboam built Shechem on Mount Ephraim and lived in it and went from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may well return to the house of David. He didn't trust God. God even sent a prophet to tell Jeroboam that if he would keep the commandments of God, he would set him up a dynasty like he did for David. But he didn't do it. Here's what he did. So he didn't want the kingdom to go back to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house at, yes, in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and return again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Then the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said to them, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. No, no, we'll make it convenient, see? Behold, your gods, O Jerusalem, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Put one in Bethel and one in Dan, way up north. And this thing became sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even in Dan. And he made houses of worship out of the high places and made priests of the lowest of the people who were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordered a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar, so he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. Okay. Well, 
Israel never returned to God in the rest of their history, 232 years. That's amazing. Okay? Even though God sent prophets to Jeroboam, that he shouldn't do it. But they wouldn't listen. Okay? Now then, let's go ahead and we'll finish for today and come back tomorrow and we'll see where we go with this and what happens and how Christ was prophesied to come to turn the people to God. So let's see how that is. So see you tomorrow.